AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com. And with the KDOS 1060 app, it's Wednesday. It's February 14th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A brief reminder here for you uh, that we are here today and on Thursday and on Friday. We are off on on Monday of next week, and then the Sports Zone is with you on Tuesday, and the Extra Point returns on Wednesday of next week. So that's the upcoming schedule for us. Let's quickly recap and update the poll questions for today if you missed the conversation bob had with bill plunkett of the orange county register getting you set for the los angeles dodgers the off season that they had and what to expect here in 2024 podcasted over at kdos1060.com the question being the dodgers over or under 102 wins in 2024 and over has now taken the lead at 64 percent of the vote under sitting at 36 percent this is kdus1060.com's poll question which we will answer around 12 30 today tossing this on over to x at kdus am 1060 will the 49ers have a super bowl loser hangover and not even reach the 2024 season nfc championship game the masses continue to be on the yes side of things here at 60 percent no trailing at 40 percent another question that gets answered around 12 30 today we were having a conversation about the NFL way too early power rankings, and uh, David Hellman was a guest writer for Fox Sports. We made it through one through nine, and we stopped just short of 10 and stopped just short of saying where uh, the Arizona Cardinals landed on his list. So just briefly recapping here, number one, to absolutely no surprise, the Kansas City Chiefs. Number two, the 49ers. Three is the Detroit Lions coming in at number four is the Packers, five Ravens, six Bills, seven Eagles, eight Cowboys, nine Browns, and dun, 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 here's number 10, the Los Angeles Rams. They certainly had a very successful draft. A lot of those players ended up contributing a lot. We know the success that Puka Nakua had at the wide receiver position. Matthew Stafford last year, uh, he stayed healthy. He looked great. My question here is uh, defensively, Raheem Morris moving on, new head coach for the Falcons. So now what are they going to do defensively from the coordinator side of things? Uh, that I don't know, uh, even though I do know that they've got uh, their front seven's good. And uh, they obviously, no matter who the coordinator is, uh, they need to add some, uh, you know, defensive secondary help for sure. No question about that. I also add one other quick thing. Going back to the, uh, you know, one and two, uh, the consensus odds for to win the Super Bowl, the betting odds, they have the Niners. Uh, the Niners are number one in the consensus odds to to win next year. 
I'm a little surprised. Uh, maybe it's question marks for what's going to happen with, uh, you know, free agency and things of that nature. But the Bengals not coming in in any of these top ten spots. They've got a financial hell here. I mean, they've got like they got to make a lot of decisions. Obviously, they did sign Burrow to the long-term contract, so that you know, takes away the you know, the quarterback. Uh, you know, you know the advantage they have not having your quarterback on a long-term deal yet. Uh, they've got you know a bunch of dudes. Uh, I saw a list near the end of the regular season, uh, which is like two months ago now, or you know several weeks ago. They've got you know like seven or eight starters. Uh, you know they've they've got some major decisions to make here. So we'll see what's going on. Also, this has been a frugal organization in the past. They have obviously paid for Burrow. Uh, maybe they're changed now because they have what appears to be several players, if they keep them all somehow, uh, that have a bright future. But how many of those guys are they going to be able to keep? And coming in on this list at number 22 is the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they have $50 million in salary cap space. They also have two first-round draft picks. I know everyone was preseason anticipating that Texans pick to be much better than where it ended up because the Texans wound up in the playoffs. But still, two first-round picks, so there's going to be opportunities for them to, as Monty Austinfort did last uh, draft wheel and deal or stay pat and draft some players in the in the in the first round in the end though uh, I guess it comes down to whether or not you believe that's enough uh, whether or not you believe in Kyler Murray whether you believe that the coaching staff has shown enough to be uh, solidified here as as solid coaches uh, for this team to continue to build in the right direction Okay, a lot of stuff there. Obviously, I don't believe in Kyler Murray as a long-term NFL quarterback on a you know, really good team ever. Uh, you know, hopefully, I'm wrong about that, and I'll be you know quickly admitting that. Uh, probably not. I wouldn't be the first to admit that because I'm sure that somebody will tell me ahead of time, uh, which is fine. Uh, but uh, there's that. Uh, the coaching staff. I I think the offense did a lot with what they had. The defense, I think, is still kind of an incomplete because they had so many injuries and they had so few impact players before the injuries. So they're going to definitely uh, – that would be I think it's certainly a pass rusher that doesn't have more, you know, like more than six sacks would be helpful. Uh, the thing is, you know, I know they got all this cap space. I wonder what the selling point, other than just I – mean, maybe it's enough. The financial end of things and living in Arizona and living in Phoenix and so forth. We're all for that because we live here, right, for the most part, unless you're streaming. And thank you if you're streaming from out of town. Uh, we appreciate that. But, uh, you know, there's uh, I'm not sure how many free agents of relevance uh, are going to jump to the opportunity of playing on a team that I think it's highly unlikely is going to be a, even a playoff contender next season. We'll put a pin in that. That was David Hellman, a guest writer for Fox Sports, uh, his way too early NFL power rankings where we went through one through 10 and uh, he had the Arizona Cardinals coming in at number 22. Uh, let's quickly get through uh, what we think is going to transpire here for the PGA Tour, the Genesis Invitational from Riviera. Uh, the golf course is 7,322 yards. It's a par 71. 
on the PGA Tour, this is another signature event. Uh, so it's a little bit different, though. Most signature events don't have a cut. This one does have a cut. But uh, if it's 50 in ties, all make the cut, plus anyone within 10 strokes of the lead make the cut. So it could be only a few handful of players not competing on Saturday and Sunday here. When you take a look at the golf course for Riviera, uh, I think strokes gained driving distance is something to monitor. Strokes gained around the green, strokes gained total. It really also helps with a uh, shot maker and somebody who is a very good ball striker that has a lot of success here. There's always been a lot of comps to Riviera, to Augusta National as well. Um, keying in on approaches 150 to 175, 175 to 200, 200 to 225 yards again. Interestingly enough, only 3.2% of all approaches came from 100 yards and in last year. So definitely uh, distance off the tee, being able to be a shot maker, and uh, strokes gained around the green to save yourself because these green complexes are not overly large uh, for for the golf course with Riviera. Also, it's kind of interesting, too, because accuracy in certain areas of the golf course is extremely important. Accuracy in other areas off the tee, not as important. Certain holes require a ton of strategy, and like I said, that accuracy, other holes maybe not as much. The trend certainly has been abound on the PGA Tour with long shots winning so far this season. You had Chris Kirk 200 to one, Grayson Murray 400 to one, Nick Dunlap at the time was an amateur 300 to one, uh, Matthew Pavan 140 to one, Wyndham Clark 100 to one, Nick Taylor last week 200 to one. So is that trend going to continue, or are we going to see uh, that trend end here this week at Riviera? I think right now. Scotty Scheffler is playing really good golf. He continues to be uh, an incredibly consistent ball striker. I think he may be now number one for me on the PGA Tour in terms of the person that has all the shots, uh, all the tools in his bag in order to hit all the quality golf shots you need. The iron play is there. The short game is there. But then it comes down to the putting. And we saw that on Sunday that he was making a charge. He was putting himself right there in contention to win the golf tournament. And his putter let him down in very key moments here. And so it's really hard with odds of plus 650 to get on board with that. I think Scotty Scheffler is, um, you know, he's world number one for a reason. His ball striking is incredible, but I can't get on board with plus 650 when I have some question marks there about the putter. Um, the odds in general, just going through the board here, Scotty Scheffler plus 650, Rory McIlroy 10 to 1, Victor Hovland 14 to 1, Justin Thomas 16 to 1, Xander Shoffley 16 to 1, Colin Morikawa 18 to 1, and Patrick Cantlay 18 to 1. Overall, I don't, I, there's not a whole lot odds-wise that I love here. So trying to find what direction we were going to go with some value here was a little bit tricky. You know, Justin Thomas, though, he's another name to watch. I think he's close. I think he's very close to winning again. We've seen it trending in a great direction this week. He kind of petered out there uh, on Saturday at the, the Waste Management Phoenix Open. But I think he's very, very close. This is another golf course that requires that shot making that um, – that he could play really well here at Riviera. Uh, but again, 16 to one, these types of odds, uh, I just, it's, it's hard. It's hard. He hasn't won in a long time. 
Uh, so here's where we're going. We're going Colin Morikawa at 18 to one. He finished tied for sixth last year, tied for second in 2022. He's ninth in strokes gained tee to green, third in that approach bucket, 175 to 200 yards. Uh, so that's the direction we're going for Colin there at 18 to one. Matt Fitzpatrick at 40 to one. He's in the uh, ninth bucket at 175 to 200 yards, tied for fifth in 2021 when he last played here. A long shot at 150 to one. Adam Svensson, uh, the form, it's been a little indifferent so far to start this season, but he did finish tied for ninth last year. So maybe some good vibes coming back to a place that he enjoys. Uh, he's in the 26th bucket uh, at 175 to 200 yards. We're going top 20 for Sahith Tagala at plus 120. Uh, he finished tied for sixth last year and a top 20. This seems to be a pick that everyone's going with Adam Scott at plus 105. He's been kind of an every other year here, but he's had plenty of success. 65th in 2023, but tied for fourth in 2022, tied for 38th in 2021. And then he, of course, won it back in 2020. His ball striking is absolutely there. Uh, he's second in the bucket of 175 to 200 yards, 26 in the bucket of 200 to 225 yards. The game seems to be trending in a great direction with a tied for eighth last week, a tied for 20th at Pebble, and then he's had a couple of top tens on the DP World Tour prior to that. Uh, so we'll see if Adam Scott's play can continue. Uh, you know, the always the question marks for him too are the putter for Adam Scott. It's never been ball striking. It's never been that creativity. Uh, and he definitely has had success at Augusta. He's had success here at Riviera. So we'll see how things pan out as the tournament gets started tomorrow. On the other side of the break, if you'd like to chime in, you can 602-260-1060. We will also dive into uh, Major League Baseball with winners and losers in the offseason from USA Today and uh, kind of get some of those in-depth looks, Bob's perspective on these teams as spring training pitchers and catchers uh, around the league are reporting. It is the Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. KDUS AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. Welcome back to Extra Point here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, 602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. Bob, baseball season, it's getting itself started. Yahoo! All right. Uh, so <laughs> taking a look at offseason winners and losers by Gabe Locks from USA Today. Uh, we'll start here with his winners and start with the Atlanta Braves. Ten trades yeah. that involve 24 players. 24-year-old <laughs> Jared... Klenick. Kellenick. Kellenick. Yes. Set. Uh, who, uh, who, uh, unfortunately, fell on his face in Seattle, and they gave up on him pretty quickly. So we'll see how it goes in Atlanta. Yeah, he's set to bat eighth here in the lineup here. Um, you also brought in lefty Chris Sale to the rotation in that fourth spot. Ronaldo Lopez and Aaron Bummer uh, added to the bullpen. Actually, those guys, I, Lopez is the most likely to succeed. Uh, 
I, I'm not sure about Kalanick because, as I mentioned, he fell on his face, and uh, the Seattle gave up on him quickly. Chris Sale, God bless him. He keeps trying and uh, hasn't been very effective for a few years now, but uh, maybe some Atlantic magic. They've done a really good job developing pitchers and young players over the years. He's not a young pitcher or a young player anymore. Uh, so we'll see if this works out. But I, I, I like the fact that they went out and did that. And they also got Boston to pay for a lot of his salary. So good for them. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, number two on this list is the Cincinnati Reds. Infielder Jaime Candelario, Nick Martinez, Emilio Pagan. Uh, they now have a diverse lineup with some power and some speed. Plus, maybe with the NL Central being the way it is, it's time for the Reds to step in there. Definitely the NL Central is winnable. Um, you know, the uh, Pakota projection has the team that finished last a year ago, St. Louis, winning the division this year with like 83 wins. Uh, it's not exactly a high bar there, uh, but uh, it's an easy it's, – it's, it's the worst division in baseball. I don't think there are any really good teams. Uh, as a Reds fan, I hope this is accurate, but they've just got – too many players that play the same position, and uh, what are they going to do? They've doubled up in some possession uh, positions. They have a I think David Bell's been a horrendous manager with young players and developing young players, and that's all they have now is pretty much young players. I think it's a. Uh, uh, I want to be wrong on this because uh, I you know really had any reason to root for the Reds. I, I I didn't fall for the Reds' hot streak last year in the middle of the season. And, you know, by the end of the season, they were kind of out of it, as it turned out. And, uh, you know, the, the longer that some of those younger guys played last year, the more they were exposed, especially Abbott and De La Cruz. The Orioles, uh, first of all, as long as it gets approved, ratified, everything that it needs to have happen, yeah. uh, an ownership change uh, in the offseason. In addition to that, they brought in Corbin Burns from the Brewers this offseason. They also have number one prospect Jackson Holiday expected to join the, the team. They have to be the AL East favorites here. But they're not. According to the Pakota projections, they're fourth in the American League East, according to the Pakota projections from Fangraphs. We will preview the Orioles in the 9:15 segment, or excuse me, 10:15 segment of the Sports Zone on Friday. I'm all in. In fact, I'm interested, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, you know, the over-under totals uh, that come out uh, here soon, or actually, I guess there's one or two of them already out there as far as the wagering possibilities. Uh, but for somebody that's betting the uh, that's bet these for, uh, the the over-under win totals in Major League Baseball for several years, probably like 20 years now, ever since we had the availability to do so. Uh, I'm definitely uh, curious to see how the number is. And if it's as low as the Pakota projection, I guarantee you I'll be over the total on the Orioles. The other team here that was a winner in the offseason is the Houston Astros. Josh Hader, biggest contract ever for a reliever at $95 million. So now your bullpen looks like Hader, Presley, and Brian Abreu. Also, you locked up Jose Altuve for five more years. Yes, and the Astros are, you know, the Rangers won the World Series last year, but the Astros are uh, projected to have six more wins uh, than the, uh, the the defending World Series champions, and we will preview the defending World Series champion Rangers tomorrow in the sports zone at 10-15.
Now for the losers here. He's lumped in the Blue Jays, the Cubs, and the Giants all together because they had hopes for Shohei Otani. They had hopes for other elite free agents and didn't get any. Uh, for the Blue Jays, they brought in DH Justin Turner. The Giants have brought in Korean outfielder Jung-Hoo Lee and Jorge Soler. You also, though, have still looming Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, which have had links to uh, these clubs. Yeah, um, you know, you got the Scott Boris factor here. The top four free agents still out there, all Scott Boris clients. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. You know, Snell, Montgomery, uh, also uh, you know Bellinger and uh, and Matt Chapman are all still out there. The Giants are linked most most linked to the uh, Matt Chapman thing at this point. Uh, the Bob Melvin history of those together and those two guys together in Oakland, and of course. Chapman's best years were when Melvin was the manager in Oakland. That kind of ties in there. I think Toronto has completely mismanaged the offseason here. You know, they definitely, you know, wanted Otani, made a run in Otani. They need a left-handed bat desperately. And apparently they're so desperate that they might be interested in 40-year-old Joey Votto, who is still a free agent. And uh, I think part of the lure there is he's from Toronto. The Red Sox, uh, do elite players not want to go there anymore? Is that kind of what's happening here? Uh, They're predicted to finish last in the AL East for the third time in five years. Well, there's actually at least one report that, uh, at least a speculation that I I heard on MLB television yesterday, MLB Network, that uh, the, uh, I forget the official title of their little group, the Fenway, you know, something or other, you know, financial group or something along those lines they don't have enough money to go out after some of these guys and uh they've done pretty much nothing at least uh, according to you know, your projection there your uh, you know the, the the you know the the, the forecast there and i think that's kind of the conventional uh, thought process in major league baseball ever since the mookie betts uh, situation when he uh, you know you know depending on which side you believe uh, turned down a lot of money, uh, and uh, you know went to, but not enough money in Mookie's case, and ended up going, being traded to the Dodgers, and then signing a long-term deal with the Dodgers. That seems to be kind of the turning point. They obviously didn't sign Bogarts, which might have been a good idea because Bogarts looked really old last year in his first year in San Diego after they spent a lot of years and a lot of money to get him to come there for a lot of years for a lot of money. Uh, yeah, it's called Fenway Sports Sports Group. Um, yes, there might be some financial issues there. I was like, it's, I started watching MLB Network uh, officially on Monday since we're done with the Super Bowl now. So I've done my change my morning programming on uh, one of my televisions here from uh, NFL Network to MLB. I'm seeing here that apparently Theo Epstein uh, is joining Fenway Sports Group as a part owner yes. and advisor. There's no doubt about that. And I, that's the one thing we also talked about this yesterday. Uh, if they have you know, some financial issues, would he have agreed to return to the Red Sox and leave major? He's been working for Major League Baseball the last few years. And a lot of the rules changes in Major League Baseball, uh, last year specifically with the pitch clock and other things, uh, Theo was kind of the uh, you know head of that group that uh, suggested these rules changes and pushed them through. So that's where he's been the last couple of years after he left the Cubs. 
Then the last team that he has listed here is actually the Dodgers. Uh, they spent $1.2 billion in the offseason, and it's more or less because you already have such high expectations uh, for the Dodgers. The ceiling is already astronomical here. So will these additions be able to return your investment? Will these additions be able to be the difference maker in October? Well, I don't know if it's going to be judged on this year because Otani's not pitching this year. He's just going to be the DH, and he's already hitting. You know, they started spring training last week for the Dodgers because they play the early games against the Padres before the rest of Major League Baseball starts. They have the two games, I believe it's in Korea, uh, where they're playing the, uh, the, the games uh, overseas or not in the United States. Uh, so there's that. But uh, I would think that the investment uh, is not going to be – you know, completely based on this year when you're signing, you know, guys to seven and eight year contracts. And of course, you had a conversation with Bill Plunkett of the Orange County Register. Uh, and if you missed any of that interview, you can always podcast it over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. I thought it was interesting listening to him a bit, though, uh, when we're talking about the contracts, that in no way, shape, or form was money going to be an object for Otani. But some of the other uh, players that they signed, he was maybe a little bit more surprised at the capital involved there. Specifically Yamamoto, uh, who's you know like 25 years old, and uh, he's the latest you know, Japanese pitcher to come here. And all the metrics people love him. Remember the World Baseball Classic last year, which Japan won. Yamamoto Yamamoto was actually their best starting pitcher. Uh, you know, Otani only pitched uh, towards the end of that series, uh, and then obviously he pitched out of the bullpen in the championship game. But uh, you know he's the, he's supposed to be the goods. It's a different game here. It's a different the size of the baseball is different. It's a, uh, you know, he basically pitched one day a week uh, in Japan in his career, which is, you know, the way that they go about things there. And, uh, you know, he's going to, they're going to monitor him, obviously, and so forth this year. But he's going to be, uh, there's going to be weeks where he's going to be pitching more than one day a week. Uh, on the other side of the break, we will dive into the poll questions, more about the Dodgers, as well as some more wrapping things up from Super Bowl 58 and a look ahead to next year already. We'll do that on the other side of the break. A couple of other things if we have some time to get into here with uh, the future of college football, uh, numbers from the Super Bowl. Plenty of other things to dissect here in the Extra Point on this Wednesday, February 14th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. But the poll questions, they're next. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kemp's bottom line at KDUS1060.com.
12.37 right here on this Wednesday, February 14th in the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. A bit of a reminder for next week. No show for the Extra Point or Sports Zone on Monday. The Sports Zone is back with you on Tuesday and Extra Point returning on Wednesday. It's time, though, to get into our poll questions, and let's get things started with the KDOS1060.com poll question. The Dodgers over or under 102 wins in 2024. Okay, as I mentioned earlier in the hour, I've been betting these for, like, roughly 20 years, or whenever they became available to be bet on in Las Vegas. used to make a trip every year. Uh, uh, during spring training or uh, usually try to coincide a little bit with the NCAA tournament and go to the, uh, go to Nevada and go to Las Vegas and bet on these. So I've been uh, doing this for quite a while. Uh, I am 100% sure, and I'll say that about hardly anything, I'm about 100% sure that I have never bet on a team with 100-plus wins over the total. And uh, I'm not going to do it this year. Not saying that it's you know good or a bad idea. You have to have a lot of things go right for you. Uh, the Dodgers are already starting this season with you know some uh, lack of clarity as to a couple of their regular guys. Can Gavin Lux play shortstop every day? Walker Bueller, we already know, is not going to start the season in the rotation. They're going to try to. Uh, have him ready for the end of the season more than you know. You know, give a you know, having throw a lot of innings early in the season. He's coming off a of Tommy John surgery from two years ago. He didn't pitch last year after you know, he did actually had one minor league rehab assignment in September. Then gave a gave some hope that he might be able to pitch out of the bullpen in the postseason, but that did not happen. Uh, he was never activated to the active roster last year, so there's that going on. Plus, this division, I think, is other than the Rockies. Uh, I think you can make a case uh, that the other three, you know, the other three teams, uh, they're going to be they're going to be good or better than they were last year. Now, the Diamondbacks, you know, I'm not saying they're going back to the World Series again, but I do think they'll have more regular season wins than they did a year ago. I think that the Giants are a team that I'm actually looking to play over in the win total whenever that. Uh, is modified. You know, they made some roster moves here in the last 24 to 48 hours, which I think help. They've also had a monumental improvement in manager uh, from Gabe Kapler to Bob Melvin to me is as big a jump as you can possibly have on a positive side. And the Padres, which were the biggest joke in baseball last year, I said it for months last year when people were saying, well, look out for those Padres. Well, they were never going to be any good because they just had a bad mix of players quite frankly clubhouse mix there was obviously a lot of problems between melvin and the front office uh, it was a joke but there i think the padres actually have a chance to be better this year which isn't saying a lot but i think that the other teams are going to be better and i'm not 100 percent sure what's going on with the dodgers as far as their roster and the fact that they know they're going to win the division uh they don't have to have guys you know be ready to go for day one. And Kershaw, you know, he's not going to pitch until the All-Star break or August at the earliest, coming off of the shoulder surgery. Who knows if he's even going to be effective, but that's another guy that could factor in. Bottom line, I think the Dodgers are better. Um, be, be, they're, I think they're better suited for the postseason this year than they have been in the past. 
assuming those guys I mentioned are all healthy, or at least the majority of them are healthy and contributors, as opposed to other teams that I think are actually more suited to the regular season than they are the postseason division. So, you know, the Dodgers are around 100 wins every year, it seems like. Uh, they have the lineup every year. They have the pitching every year. They even found ways with pitching uh, to keep themselves in it last year after injuries were starting to pile up. I mean, this year you should have Walker Bueller back. You should have uh, other players coming back to help that. I know you're not going to have Shohei Otani uh, pitching, but you are going to have his bat. Um, you know, certainly here, all the signings here, I think, are obviously and clearly for the postseason, that the uh, object here is to keep everybody healthy and ready to go for October. It is a long season ahead here. I do think that the NL West is um, certainly in a much better, like, I think we're more optimistic and excited about the NL West as a whole this year than maybe we were last year heading into spring training. So in general, I think there could be some more competitive uh, regular season matchups in the NL West here. A hundred, a hundred wins and to say that a team is going to get there emphatically and to put money on the over. And especially since it's 102 wins in this particular instance, that's a lot. Um, I want no part of that. So I would say under. Me too. And like I said, I've never bet a team with triple digits ever over uh, in you know 20 some years of betting season win totals. And, uh, you know, there's been plenty of teams that have won. I'm sure there have been some teams that have had similar, you know, you know suggested totals or, you know, totals you could wager on uh, before the season starts uh, that went over the total with triple digits. But I'm just, I think there are better investments than that. Uh, the masses, though, are on the over side of things at uh, 67% of the vote. Under is trailing at 33%. This is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Over on X at KDOS AM 1060, will the 49ers have a Super Bowl loser hangover and not even reach the 2024 season NFC Championship game? You know, it's really hard to say sitting here just a few days removed from the Super Bowl 58 contest, but... Uh, you still have free agency ahead. You still have the NFL draft up next. You still have to look at other teams in the division that in the division alone, I think with the Rams uh, making the noise that they did last season, maybe unexpectedly. I think they're going to be able to continue to build on that. Uh, then, as we talked about and, and previewed in the way too early preseason and way too early power rankings, the Lions are a good team. The Cowboys are going to be in it. The Packers could be in it as well. So there's plenty of teams. Uh, and if you believe in the coordinator changes for Philadelphia, the Eagles could be another team. So there's plenty of teams in this NFC that it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to make it back to the NFC championship. In addition to that, this is really where I think a lot of the offseason work comes in from a mindset perspective that you're obviously feeling the disappointment of being so close to winning and not coming through and losing there in overtime. So how are you going to address this offseason? How are you going to work through the steps to get yourself prepared and ready to go with that 
I, I hate that phrase, but like the phrase of like more hunger in your in in more fire, if you will, to be able to use that uh, as motivation as opposed to uh, going in the negative direction. So there's a lot of work that players are going to have to do individually, and how is Kyle Shanahan going to structure off season and his messaging to the team as well to get them. Uh, over that that mental part of the loss and ready to go for what's needed in the season. I think a long way to go, though, for for the team, and a lot can happen. Um, so I don't know yet if it's going to be, quote-unquote, hangover factor or if it's just going to be other teams have also gotten better. See, that's where I disagree a little bit because I don't think other teams have gotten better. I think a lot of the other teams have gotten worse or likely to get worse. I, I'm, I'm going to say no, and this is obviously somewhat subject to change. I'm not betting on this at this point. I don't even know if you can bet on this at this point. Uh, but uh, I just I don't believe in the Cowboys. I think the, the Eagles are a disaster. I think their coordinator hires are, are, were bad choices with Fangio and also with Kellen Moore. Uh, I'm not believing yet in the Rams uh, for next season. The team I actually think uh, would be the best uh, and most likely for me, I'm not believing in the Lions either because I think that they had a lot of really good things going for them. The division's going to be better next season for the Lions. And I think the Packers are the one team. If I had to choose somebody that's most likely to challenge the 49ers next season from the NFC, I would right now take the Packers. Uh, But uh, all those factors involved. And uh, I'm going to say, no, they're not going to have a Super Bowl hangover, at least as of right now. The masses are on the yes side of things at 60% of the vote. No sitting at 40%. This is over on X at KDUS AM 1060. There's also some hoops tonight. ASU men's basketball is taking on Oregon State. U of A is taking on Oregon. We'll get into a little bit about that on the other side of the break and some other uh, football news and notes as we wrap up this Wednesday, February 14th edition of the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. online at kdos1060.com and with the kdos1060 app one quick correction before we were going to break uh u of a is next 
time that they play is actually against ASU on February 17th. ASU is the lone team playing uh, today out of those grouping against Oregon State. So we'll talk about that here momentarily. But one quick correction there, U of A not playing. They'll next play February 17th against ASU. All right, Bob. In In Tucson. Correct. Now it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slip of the cracks. Also, our guest today, a Dodgers spring training update with Bill Plunkett. Uh, and uh, Bill Plunkett, fellow East Street Band, uh, Bruce Springsteen, the East Street Band fan. Uh, Bill from the Orange County Register. Next two days at uh, 10-15, we'll update the uh, tomorrow the defending World Series champion Rangers. And then on Friday, the Baltimore Orioles who I think are the most intriguing organization in uh, baseball, not just because of the recent ownership change. I actually thought they were intriguing before that uh, and before the Corbin Burns trade for last season, but they've got more good young players than anybody in baseball. And um, I'm curious to see where they're going to put them all. (laughs) So we'll cover that on Friday, among other things. Uh, Meanwhile, sound day courtesy of MLB. KLAA, the uh, Dodgers, actually, that's the Angels flagship station. CBS, Fox, NBC Sports Chicago, and also ACC Digital Network. Special thanks, as to, as always, I should say, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next, from 1 to 3 o'clock, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5. The Sports with Dave Rooster Beerstein from 5 to 6. And then you have uh, Top of the Valley with Jeff Munn and Coach Adair, ASU Women's Basketball, Top of the Valley tonight at 7 o'clock right here on KDUS AM 1060. All right, speaking of ASU, the men's side of things, they're playing and hosting Oregon State tonight, 7 o'clock on the Pac-12 network. Uh, ASU snapped their five-game losing streak on the road against Utah here. Uh, Is that indicative of things to come or more on the Utah side? Um, Utah was obviously gassed after the uh, the U of A triple overtime game, but ASU deserved to win that game. I mean, they made plays. I need to see one or more than one game to make me think that ASU's season to date, uh, which at that point and still even now has been mediocre, uh, whether the one game is going to turn them around. This game should help because they've won the last 14 home games against Oregon State over the years, and Oregon State has won few, if any, Pac-12 road games this season. So that'll be tonight, 7 o'clock, on the Pac-12 network. A couple of other things that caught my attention here. The Pac-12 is moving forward and beginning the process to move on from Commissioner George Kliakoff. Uh, I don't think that this is totally unsurprising. Deputy Commissioner Teresa Gould is likely to get promoted to the role as the Pac-12 is looking to join a Power 4 conference, likely the Mountain West, in some type of rebuild. But not really surprising that uh, after everything unfolded here, the Pac-12 is what it is now, uh, that this is this is in the process of moving forward. So they have a conference call with Oregon State and Washington State. That's the big conference call? <laughs> yes, the two-team conference, because they had that whole okay, okay. lawsuit so that they could be the ones making the decisions and that the other schools okay. shouldn't have any say in what's going on because they're not going to be there next year. I predict there'll be conference calls at some point with wherever is going on with the PAC two or whatever we're supposed to call them now with more lawyers. (laughs) 
Likely true. Uh, the Athletic reporting that ESPN seven point eight billion six year contract to broadcast the twelve team college football playoff. This deal is uh, not going to be ratified until the commissioners and presidents vote on the structure and financials of the expanded CFP. That right now seems to be a point of contention at the moment. Um, but over the course of the contract, ESPN can sublicense games, meaning that another network could potentially air playoff games, but at ESPN's discretion. At this point in time, if this eventually gets signed moving forward, ESPN would have control control over college sports championships outside of the NCA men's basketball tournament. Well, they're going to have to, you know, give it up to some other networks because there's, you know, obviously more games and, uh, you know, and they got to figure there's not enough, unless they're going to have like 12 hours of broadcasting on a Saturday, uh, they're not going to have every game on ESPN slash ABC. Then the other thing that caught my attention here, this happened a couple of days ago, but we haven't talked about it. Uh, running back Deshaun Foster is the next UCLA head coach. He had just taken the running back coach position with the Raiders uh, when the UCLA opening became available with Chip Kelly going to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio State. He emerged from 11 different candidates for this spot. He had previously been the running back coach at UCLA yeah. since 2017. And he was a tremendous running back at UCLA and had some very good moments in the NFL. I enjoyed watching him play. Uh, really have no qualification to judge whether he's going to be a good or a good or bad head coach in the uh, college ranks. But uh, good luck to him. And uh, I know that uh, people in Ohio or in uh, Columbus and Ohio State fans are very happy that Chip Kelly is the offensive coordinator now. Super Bowl 58, if you haven't seen it, a most-watched program ever with 123.4 million viewers across CBS, Paramount+, Plus, Nickelodeon, and Univision, up 7% from last year, which was a previous record, and more than 200 million viewers watched all or part of the Super Bowl. So it was a fantastic season for CBS, which had the most watched regular season since the NFL returned to CBS in 1998, and they also had the most watched postseason. Yeah, one other quick thing. Uh, you know, the people who thought Nevada was going to be hurting with legalized sports gambling across the nation, uh, the Super Bowl handle in the state of Nevada was the largest ever. Largest ever, and they turned a profit. Now, that hasn't happened a whole lot over the year. Well, it happens a lot, but, I mean, I mean the, the biggest handle ever is, uh, you know, the people that thought this was going to affect Nevada sports gaming were just stupid to begin with. That'll do it. Talk to you tomorrow.